over the years as I've taught the Dharma, there are many occasions uh, when uh, people have come to learn the Dharma, to practice meditation, to learn about Buddhism and the principles the Buddha uh, teaches and how to live in accord with those principles, how to live in accord with the Dharma. Oftentimes, uh, people who are newer, not only people who are newer, but oftentimes people who are new to the, to the Buddhist teachings uh, ask a very good question. It was a question that I had asked uh, when I was newer. Uh, and oftentimes, uh, people who are newer might say, as they begin to explore the teachings, they might begin to ask, uh, you know, given what the Buddha teaches about aversion and the way that we are seemingly learning to abandon aversion and anger, given what the Buddha teaches about desire and the way that we're learning to abandon desire, uh, given what the Buddha teaches about equanimity and acceptance, uh, is there a danger of becoming passive? Uh, you know, students might often, uh, in our lives, Students might often be concerned that if they follow the teachings of the Buddha, they're not going to, they're going to develop this quality of uh, acceptance that really is not the quality of acceptance that the Buddha talked, you know, you know, they're speaking to their misconceptions. They're going to develop these qualities of acceptance uh, that may uh, lead to passiveness or indifference and uh, their capacity to bring about change in their lives or in the world is going to be uh, curtailed or at least hampered. Uh, I know that, again, that those were questions that I had had. Uh, I remember very distinctly asking one of my teachers very early on, uh, you know, is this practice, you know, putting me in a position where I should just accept the way my life is? I don't like the way my life is. I don't like my job. I want to change my job. I want change in my life. And isn't this practice uh, you know, going to make me a passive person who just simply accepts the way things are and uh, doesn't, take any act, doesn't take action in support of uh, moving in, the, in a direction that would uh, be more uh, aligned with what I think my life should be about? When, when, when the Thai Ajans, the Thai teachers, are asked that question, uh, they have a very simple and powerful way of responding to that traditionally. And the traditional response to that question, which you know, we all may ask at different times, and again, oftentimes when we're newer, we ask this question, uh, the way that the Thai Ajans would respond to that question is, they would say, well, look at the Buddha. He learned to abandon aversion and desire. He cultivated a profound equanimity and acceptance. And look at all that he accomplished. You know, look at look at what he did. He went out and he taught the Dharma for forty-five years and changed the world. You know, and thousands of years later, we're still talking about what the Buddha said and following the principles that he taught and trying to live in the way that he encouraged us to live. You know? So right there, we have the example, uh, uh, the model that the Buddha gives that really uh, speaks very directly and cogently to that question. 
very directly and cogently to that question. The Buddha teaches us skills that enable us to take action. Ultimately, this is why we learn uh, what we learn in the Dharma. This is why we cultivate the qualities that we're striving so hard, to, so assiduously to uh, cultivate so that we can take action in our lives. Buddha realized this, uh, and, and, and a lot of that talk that I get at the end of the retreat on seclusion and action uh, speaks to this. The Buddha realized this, and many of us are familiar with the story of the Buddha, that you know, he had this question himself at the end of uh, his time and in his efforts to uh, attain awakening. When he attained awakening, uh, uh, he asked, is this what I'm meant to do, just experience the bliss of awakening? And he, and he came and he understood rather, rather quickly I would say that no, you know, this isn't the end of the path. This isn't the fruition of the path. These qualities that I've developed are simply qualities, uh, and you know, the greatest quality of all, of course, is the quality of awakening, the quality of the open heart. Uh, these qualities that I've developed, I've developed in the service of being able to take action, and that the the, the path is is really. Uh, not fulfilled until I take action. So he spent those next 45 years teaching the Dharma and taking the action and doing what he could so that he could have a meaningful life and teach others to have a meaningful life, doing what he could do to bring about change. So the Buddha teaches us skills that, and actually by their nature, the skills that the Buddha teaches us must, must be followed through on in terms of the actions that we take he teaches skills that enable us to uh, take action, uh, that's skillful, skillful action, right? So, you know, what the Buddha teaches us, uh, what we learn in this practice through meditation and, and, and mindfulness and cultivating concentration and wisdom uh, won't support us in taking action that isn't skillful, that isn't wholehearted. So that's, that's very important to understand. I think, you know, when I, was, uh, uh, when I was asking those questions, you know, some 30 odd years ago, I, my, I, what I was asking my teacher is for, you know, will this practice prevent me from getting the things that I want to get and, uh, you, know, you know, having the kind of life that I think that I want. Of course, what, what the practice did was enabled me to change my life and live in a way, but it, it was completely a way that I would never have been able to understand before I came to the practice. Uh, you know, uh, so you know the teachings and the practice that we do offers us a way to uh, develop skills so that we can take action and live in the world in a way that's wholehearted, in a way that we live in the world from a place of compassion and. Uh, and loving kindness, so so that in doing that we can make the most of our lives and we can uh, live life in a meaningful way. And we have to choose our own specific actions. Each of us have very specific actions that we may uh, accord with in alignment with our karma. You know, for me, my karma, just like the Buddhist to some extent, was was to be a teacher, to be a teacher, to be a writer. Everybody has a different karma, you know, a different way to apply 
their capacity to be in the world with loving kindness and compassion. So, but, but the skills that we learn help us choose what actions to take. You know, they help us choose what actions to take. They help us understand what actions are going to be in accord with, our, with, with the heart uh, and, and with what we're able to do uh, in our lives and in the world. The skills we learn enable us to take those actions. So the practice, if we follow it, teaches us how to act in a skillful way. You know, what I would submit is most people don't know how to do that. It's like, I didn't know how to do that, you know? I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to take action, you know? I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to be happy, but I had no idea how to do that. And I had no idea how to choose actions, you know? So most people just go along with the flow, you know? Go along, you know, with what the culture is doing, or they, they uh, you know... They, they, the way they live is reactive, you know. Uh, their actions that we choose come from out of aversion and desire. Uh, I certainly didn't know how to, to choose action and to take action in my life, you know. You know, and, and, and it took me a long time in meditation to learn that because at first I was only learning meditation. I, I learned it a little bit. Gradually, I began to uh, learn the skills that, uh, that uh, enable us to choose action and to take action. So our happiness in this life depends on our actions, depends on what we do. It doesn't depend on how good our meditation is. It doesn't depend on what jhana we get to. It depends on the actions that we take that issue from that concentration that leads to wisdom in an open heart. Our happiness depends on our actions. If we know actions that come from that open heart, which comes, which, and our capacity to know that open heart comes from wisdom, which comes from concentration, if we take actions that come from that open heart, we'll know happiness. So oftentimes people will ask, you know, as we engage in this discourse, which is, you know, the discourse of a lifetime, really, uh, well, what about anger? Well, what about anger? Can't we accomplish things through anger? What is our practice with regard to anger uh, and our, uh, our thoughts that maybe perhaps anger could be a way to, to uh, motivate action? Well, for one thing, we don't try to repress anger. We don't try to repress anger. I mean, that, that's first, first of all, we, it's important to acknowledge our anger. The Buddha never says repress anger. That's important to understand. He says, acknowledge your anger, uh, develop a relationship that, that to it that's spacious, which means not clinging to your anger, uh, and don't let your anger drive your actions. Don't let our anger drive our actions. So we do strive to uh, be beings uh, who don't let our anger drive our actions. And, and, and the reason for this is really simple. Uh, when, we, when we act from a place of anger, 
And this is something we have to understand, you know. This is something we can only understand through practice. When we act from a place of anger, we actually act from a place of weakness. We act from a place of weakness. You know, we want to act from a place of strength, and anger weakens the mind and weakens the heart. You know, sometimes there's that initial burst of energy that comes from anger, you know, but ultimately that dies out pretty quickly and it weakens us. Anger weakens us. Uh, it doesn't serve us in the long run. It doesn't serve us in the long run. This is very important uh, to understand because you know, we got to be in this for the long run. You know? The work of life and the work of the world is a long, long haul. You know, and anger is not going to see us through. Anger is not going to see us through. We need greater strength than anger can provide, those initial bursts of anger. You know, if we want to bring about change in our lives and in the world, we have to be in it for the long run. You know, and, that, and we see that again and again. We see that again and again. Uh, that that anger is short-lived and won't serve us in the long run and in the hard work and in the endurance that's asked for in bringing about change in ourselves and in the world. So this is something that we come to understand as, as practitioners, that when we act from anger, we act from a place of weakness. Anger is not our greatest strength. Our greatest strength is the strength of the heart. And the greatest strength and the strength of the heart is, a, is profound the strength of compassion, the strength of loving kindness is profound strength. So we don't understand that also. You know, it's like, how can we understand that if we don't know those qualities, you know? So, you know, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to know the heart and learn to act from the heart. We begin to know uh, the strength of the heart. Once you begin to develop an ability to connect to the heart and to act from the heart, you begin to do things that you could never do before. You begin to see ways of acting that you could never see before. You begin to tap into a strength that you never knew you had before. But you have to get to know that. You have to get to know that. Our capacity to do the hard work of change, if it's changing ourselves, which is incredibly hard work, incredibly hard work and changing the world comes through compassion and loving kindness. You know, if we want to change the anger and the hatred and the desire within us, that's not going to come through anger and hatred. This is, you know, one of the most primary laws the Buddha said. Hatred and anger won't dispel hatred and anger. Only love will do that. We want to bring about change in the world. We do that through love, compassion. This is the teachings of the Buddha. This is the teachings of the Buddha. So in Dharma practice, we're getting to the heart so that we can act from the place of our greatest strength. But we've got to get to the heart. You know, we have to get to the heart. That's, that's the hard work, you know, of concentration and wisdom. We talk so much in this group about dukkha, suffering being, the heart being blocked. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we learn to 
practice concentration and be mindful of the things that are blocking our hearts uh, so that we can uh, be connected to the heart, so that we can act from the heart. And, you know, when we can do that, you know, we're able to make the most of our lives and we know happiness. We know happiness. This quality of metta, you know, is said to be the antidote to fear. You know, a lot of what makes life so difficult for us is, is that it's scary, you know, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of fear that we have in, in terms of uh, trying to change, you know, or bring about change. We have a lot of fear that we may be feeling about the way things are in our lives or in the world. Metta is, is a way of overcoming that fear. So, you know, if we are fear, feeling fearful in particular about things in our lives or things in the world, uh, metta practice is a good practice to do. You know, what we did today uh, is a real benefit in it. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, when I do metta practice, it really helps me to, uh, to, to, to be able to, to, to really go beyond my fear. You know, if I'm feeling fearful and I do metta practice, uh, if I learn to connect to the heart in that way, uh, it's very powerful in terms, of, uh, in terms of being able to deal with fear. Now what the Buddha said about fear, uh, uh, you know, it's very, it's very important and very interesting. You know, he said, he said, you know, fear is, 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 is a quality that, you know, we shouldn't try to uh, take on directly until we have developed certain qualities, you know. And generally fear, you don't try to take on directly in the way that you might bring mindfulness to certain mental qualities. What he said is, uh, don't try to take on fear until you develop certain qualities. Develop qualities that enable you to meet fear and go beyond fear. Parami, including loving kindness, is one of the most important qualities. So develop inner strength. Concentration is one of the most important qualities. Develop inner strength. Develop inner strength. You know, the classic metaphor is you know, going into the forest. You know, he said, you know, foolish people you know, just try to go into the forest and uh, take it on as a way of overcoming, you know, f you, know, uh, you, know you know, as a, as a, as a, as a courageous act. He said, that's not courageous, that's foolish. The wise being develops skills so that when she goes into the forest, she's prepared to deal with the fearful things that are there. That's what we're doing. We don't, we don't go running into the forest. And that's the meta, classical metaphor for fear. We develop these skills. We develop the heart. Then when we go into the forest, we have the qualities that we need in order to be able to meet those fearful situations. One of the most important qualities that we develop, of course, is equanimity, this quality of inner strength this quality of inner strength. Equanimity, when developed, enables us to meet change. It enables us to meet 
difficult experience. It enables us to meet disruption. It enables us to meet uh, uh, painful events uh, in the face of change, disruption, pain, disagreeable experience, when we have equanimity, we remain steady and composed. That's our job as Dharma students, is to keep our cool, you know, is to keep our cool and stay close to the heart and act from the heart. So when we have equanimity, we remain steady and composed and composed. So I'll just remind us of these basic qualities that are inherent in the skill in developing equanimity. The four elements, and this will be in the notes. The first element is to be able to recognize our experience when it is difficult, disagreeable, to recognize change, to recognize that we're in an experience uh, that may be disruptive. You know, so the first thing is to recognize, okay, this is what the circumstance is, the second element is to bring in insight. And the insight, of course, is this is how it is in this life. There's pleasure and pain. There's gain and loss. There's sickness, aging, and death. And there's going to be difficulty and challenge and fearful experience in this life. You know, this is the nature of being in this body and in this life. The heart understands that. The mind says, no. You know? So we bring in insight. The third element, we incline to this quality of equanimity, which is part of our goodness. You know, we all have this quality of composure, of, of inner balance. You know, we just don't know how to uh, incline to it. Well, we, we're, not, we're, not, uh, uh, we're not inclined to incline to it, if you will. Uh, you know, you all have it inside of you, right, right now. You could, just say to yourself, can I incline to equanimity? Can I, you know, whenever I do that, people go, close their eyes, let me meditate. No, you gotta do that on the, on the train. You gotta do that, you know, wherever you are, you know? This is like in the world stuff. We're living in the world here. We're not, a, we're not at some retreat center. You know, this is, life isn't a retreat center. You know, life is not a retreat center. I think that's gonna be my new motto for my, my next Dharma group. Life is not a retreat center. Life is ups and downs and, and pain and, and difficulty and challenge and joy and happiness. It's, it's the, whole, the whole experience, right? You know? So, you know, can we have this quality of equanimity? Can we incline to it? Can we learn to incline to it? Like this is a quality that you have, you know, that's untapped. It's an untapped resource. You can incline to it right now that quality of inner strength. And then the fourth element is your center. You know, and, and that you develop, that, you know, and that essentially is the breath, the capacity to stay in the body, not to go into the narratives. Anybody go into narratives lately? Stories, you know? So, you know, this quality is so important, and this quality we develop through concentration, the ability to maintain your center. Now that you have to really develop through concentration. The ability to keep the mind there. You know? The more you practice meditation, the more you're able to keep the mind on the breath and to maintain a center and not go into the stories and the narratives and the emotions. 
So, uh, so, you know, and not to be, so we maintain this ability, this inner strength, the ability to be steady, to be imbalanced, to be in balance, and to be non-reactive, right? You know, equanimity is, is non-reactivity. Equanimity is non-reactivity. You know, this is what we're striving to develop as Dharma students, is the ability to be not non-reactive. Aversion and desire are reactive states. You know, they're conditioned states that arise out of our karma. You know, so certain things happen and we react based on our karma. Those ways that we react are always invariably some form of aversion or desire. So, you know, when we're reactive, when we are reacting with aversion or anger or some form of desire, essentially what we're doing is, you know, we used to use this metaphor years ago. It's, it's, it's become an, uh, an archaic metaphor. We're replaying old tapes, right? You know, we're replaying old tapes when we're reactive, right? So, you know, we're not going to change if we just keep replaying all tapes. The, the world isn't going to change if we keep replaying all tapes. We need some new tapes. Yeah? We need some new tapes. You know, the Buddhist practice is, 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 is helping us develop the skills so we can make some new tapes. So when we have equanimity, we're able to act. Uh, we're in a position to act from the heart. We're in a position to be able to respond with the heart, with creativity, with wisdom, with compassion, with love. And this is our practice. This is our practice. So there is difficulty. You know, there is difficulty in life. Uh, there is challenge. Uh, there is pain and pleasure. There's loss and gain. This is the way it is, uh, as we are often witness to again and again. Uh, we can meet these experiences of life with an inner strength. And that's our job as Dharma students, to meet the experiences of life with an inner strength, with calmness, with calmness, with composure, with equanimity. We can meet these experiences of life and do what we need to do and take action that's an expression and be in the world and act in a way in which we are coming from the heart, in which our action is an expression, not just in the ideas that we take, but in actually what we do is an expression of compassion and love. When we do this, when we do this, we know happiness. We know happiness.